0: wizard team a harry potter cast for true Potterheads. each week we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the world of harry potter
1: be warned this is a spoiler heavy podcast i'm Brianna and i'm robin we're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book today we're discussing chapter 11 of harry potter and the goblet of fire aboard the hogwarts
0: first we have announcements and reminders we want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts so please feel free to tweet along with us. You can use the hashtag wizardteam on Twitter to follow along.
1: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be black at Hogwarts? If you want to write about it, we're working on a project called Hogwarts BSU. A collection of stories, fan art, etc. It doesn't have to be um, fan fiction. It can like a traditional fan fiction, I guess. It could be um, music. I would really love someone to make a wizard R&B song, Wizard and Blues. Um, it could be... A video, it could it could be whatever. So um, yeah, it's just illustrating what it would be like to be a black Hogwarts student. If you'd like to submit, you can check out block, blackgirlscreate.org um, for the guidelines and for some of our previous submissions.
0: Love our blog, love Wizard Team. Have a few extra galleons lying around? Please consider becoming a Patronus. We are video recording the Wizard Team episodes, and I have access to those videos. Um, at five dollars a month, you get the video the Tuesday before the episode drops, and at ten dollars or more per month, you get the link to watch us record live, um, and join a chat
1: room to discuss while we record. And if you want to donate but cannot do a monthly donation, you can donate to our PayPal. You can find the links at do- to, you can find the links to donate at blackgirlscreate.org/donate. And we're going to be doing a big push um, in the upcoming months slash year because we really, really, really. Would like to attend LeakyCon 2017, which is in Dublin. And if you guys um, are new, <clears throat> we went to London last year to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So um, if you donate, you can expect to see a lot of the a lot of similar content, bonus episodes, and things of that nature. Once we're in Dublin, um, and also we'd like to do a lot more fun stuff, and a lot of that needs to be done with your help cannot get done without your help so thanks in advance (laughs) if you have anything to donate if you would like to support
0: um but don't have the funds to do so or even if you do please rate and review us on itunes google play wherever like you listen to us just you can rate and review us um, and that'll help us get more listeners more members on the team
1: yeah one team one dream um Also subscribe to our newsletter. Most weeks we share nerd news and links for what's been going on. So if you want to be in the know, be sure to subscribe. You can, again, find that subscription at blackgirlscreate.org. We'll be starting the newsletter up hopefully um, regularly after, I mean, this week is back on the grind. Holidays are over, so... (laughs)
0: <laughs> um follow us on Twitter at We Black and Nerds. Like us um on Facebook at Black Girls Nerd Out and follow us on Tumblr and Instagram at Black Girls Create. Sorry, Black Girls Create on Facebook. I don't know why like I read Black Girls Create and then It's all Black Girls Create. It's all Black Girls Create. Um, <laughs> and then yes. join our Wizard Team Facebook group so that if you can talk about Harry Potter without the hundred and forty character limit.
1: Yeah. So let's dive into what's been going on. With Wizard Team right now. This is our first episode of 2017. So that happens. New year. New. New things. Um, We don't really have too much to say in terms of like the Wizard Team news. Um, We do have a magical birthday. um, And if you guys want to celebrate it. I mean. You know. Next Monday is Snake's birthday if you care about that kind of thing. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a thing to so know. It's thing that you want to celebrate, mark your calendar for, you know. Right. Do but you? you know, if you don't, you don't. I mean, it's just a date, it's another day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much else to say about that. Um there. <laughs> Yeah, not
0: very much. So let's just get into chapter 11. Um, right? Yeah, chapter 11. Aboard the Hogwarts Express. So we're finally on our way to Hogwarts. It's been 10 chapters of us yeah. doing all these other things. And shit's already gone down and we're not even at school yet.
1: This is really like the first... It's weird. Um, World building. Like the first book that does a lot of world building that is outside of the castle and the school. So... We know about the Wizarding World, but we don't really know how that works outside of Hogwarts until Goblet of Fire, um, and it's amazing that, I mean, it's only—it's the fourth book in a seven book series, so we're like halfway through the whole story, um, but we're also at the halfway point of Harry's education, so it does kind of make sense that we're getting more introduced to the world outside of like what he can expect once he's done with Hogwarts, but... Um, it's just, it's crazy to think about how much goes down outside of Hogwarts and how much we learn outside of Hogwarts, um, for the first time in this entire series. So last, previously on Wizard Team, they got Mm -hmm. back from the Wizarding World Cup. Molly was really freaked out because, um, all that was, uh, reported by one Rita Skeeter, was that a dark mark had been seen above the World Cup and that reported bodies had been um, taken from the woods, which was not true, um, and that no one had been caught. So, which was true, um, which is funny because I wonder like, how the Death Eaters who were messing with the Roberts family got away like, they were so busy about... They apparated. They just... App- they all apparated. What's the dark mark? I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. And they didn't... No one followed them because there was a dark mark. More important... You said what? I said, and no... Or is there anything followed them because there was a dark mark and they thought more important things someone might be... Well, also, like, I don't know that you can follow people when they're
0: apparating unless you're holding on to them. Well,
1: you could grab at them, right? So there was, like, a bunch of people...
0: That yeah, you can grab them, but that's also dangerous, and then you end up getting splinched, and then
1: yeah, but as an or that's part of your job, right? I don't know to get splinched. I don't think not so. to get splinched, it's but <laughs> you know, and it's I don't a think, and it job. wasn't just ours in, in
0: over there too, because I mean, yeah, I don't know how many of them there were, but it was a lot of different ministry officials who may not have the same protocol or whatever.
1: Sure. Yeah, um. So anyway. We get back and we hear a, more about the Dark Mark and the Death Eaters. This is the first time that... This book is the first time they're called Death Eaters, correct? And they're not just, like, Lord, Voldemort's mm-hmm. Followers. Um, and we get to see a little bit more of, like, the preparation of um, the kids, the Weasleys going to Hogwarts, and, and also, like, just the inner workings of the ministry and uh, what kind of happens when there's a there's chaos at the ministry you know there's like a lot of um sorry portia just asked if they could track operation i'm not sure i thought I that there was you know i know that you have to get you get they can track they they you have
0: like um they have licenses for who apparates but they can't they can't even track like who does just magic. regular magic yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know Yeah, it's just... no, they can't track that unless they like hold like in Deathly Hollow's um like when when they're when the trio's running away from the ministry, yeah. like the reason that they almost get caught is because dude grabbed onto them. Yeah. And and once Hermione turns him loose, then he has no idea where they are. Yeah. But so they can't track location or, like... At the same time... Yeah, usually people find... And, like, when they find people who have operated, it's because they, they splinched themselves. Yeah. And they got a call. Like, who else are they going to call to help them out? Yeah.
1: So, there's just, like... There needs to be better law enforcement tools. I don't know. That, I mean we haven't done anything better. You know what I mean? Like we have, you have a license to drive. That doesn't mean that we know exactly, you know, hit and runs happen all the time and no one gets caught. So, it, you know, and it does also doesn't mean, again, like with transfiguration, just because you need to have a license to do something doesn't mean that people don't do it without a license. Right. So, it's, you know, um, but, So Portia also says, I also imagine that if oblivious children can deduce who the death eaters are, people who work with them every day can probably do so as well. I think that there's also just a a, a kind of, you can have suspicions about someone, but it's different to, like,
0: if you can't prove it. Yeah, you don't,
1: and as as adults, you are hopefully a little bit more uh, careful about being, like, Use a Death Eater when you don't have any proof behind it, <laughs> um, whereas, you know, Ron, Hermione, and Harry don't have that same moral code. <laughs> they just like. I mean, you know, Harry a death eater. an entire
0: book like he was right, but Harry spends an entire year obsessing over Draco Malfoy being a Death Eater. Yes, he was right, and he, but he spent a whole year obsessing over that shit with no proof, no proof, and nothing got done because he had no proof. And
1: also, like. <laughs> Wasted a lot of time because he had no proof, and that's yeah, what he was obsessing so over. And that time. was not the oh my big thing that he should have been worried about. Anyway, should have been worried about who was writing that He's book. piss me anyway, off. Anyway, well, we'll um, we'll get, get there, there in, in a few years, a year um, or so. So, um, so and, on to the actual chapter. Yeah. So Harry wakes up the next uh, morning, and <laughs> there's a definite end of the holidays gloom in the air. Um, I'm kind of having that right now. I'm having an end of the holidays gloom of like, oh, uh, life. Me too. Life starts tomorrow. Like, i have to go to work tomorrow. I'm
0: also jet lagged, I think. Yeah? I'm really tired. <laughs>
1: That's funny, though, because yeah. jet lag usually goes your way when you're going east. And it stinks the other way. Nah. Because you wake up later. But also,
0: I didn't get a lot of sleep the last week, this weekend, because it was like New Year's, and mm. then I had to, like, my flight was really early, so I had to wake up really early. Yeah. So, there's a lot of things. But yeah. I do, like, I do get it usually on the way back here, but I think it's also because, like, I have to go to work. I, like, have to get back to my life versus going back home. I'm not doing nothing so I can Yeah. Sleep.
1: Um, same. <laughs> I have to go back to work and <laughs> I found myself very tired. Even just, like, the thought of it today, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to bed because this is the last day that I can do that. Um, right, exactly. So... Harry, Ron, Fred, and George had just reached the first floor landing on their way down to breakfast when Mrs. Weasley appeared at the foot of the stairs looking harassed. Arthur, Arthur, urgent message from the ministry. Harry flattened himself against the wall as Mr. Weasley came clattering past with the robes, with his robes on back to front and hurtled out of sight. When Harry and the others entered the kitchen they saw Miss Weasley rummaging anxiously through the drawers, I've got a quill here somewhere and Mr. Weasley bending over the fire talking to you. Harry shut his eyes hard and open them again amos dickery's head was sitting in the middle of the flames like a large bearded egg it was talking very fast completely unperturbed by the sparks flying around it muggle neighbors heard bangs and shouting so they went and called the what do you call them pleasemen aren't there you've got to get over there here mm-hmm. said mrs weasley breathlessly pushing a a piece of parchment a bottle of ink and a crumpled quill into mr weasley's hands it's a real stroke of luck i heard about it i had come into the office early to send a couple of owls and i found the improper use of magic lot all setting off if reader Skeeter gets a hold of this one arthur what does mad i say happened? said asked mr weasley mr diggory's head rolled its eyes says he heard an intruder in his yard says he was creeping towards the house but was ambushed um by his dust pit dust bins what did his dust what did the dustbins do said mr weasley swiveling Made one hell of a noise and fired rubbish everywhere, as far as I can tell. Apparently, one of them was still rocketing around when the men showed up. Mr. Weasley groaned. And what about the intruder? Arthur, you know Mad-Eye. Someone creeping into his backyard in the dead of night. More likely, there was a, there's a very shell-shocked cat wandering around somewhere, covered in potato pillings. But if the improper use of Magic Lock get their hands on Mad-Eye, he's had it. Think of his record. We've got to get him off on a minor charge. Something in your department. What are exploding dustbins worth? might be a caution. Matt I didn't use his wand. He didn't actually attack anyone. I'll bet he left he leapt out of bed and started jinxing everything he could reach through the he could reach through the window, said Mr. Diggory, but they'll have a hell of a job proving it there aren't any casualties. So this kind of goes back into our earlier discussion about like proving magic. Like even when mm-hmm. he like has, like possibly shot jinxes, why don't they just look at his wand like they did at carries but wand. even then that doesn't but, necessarily tell you the story yeah, right exactly and if there's so no one it's like there's no casualties you can't prove that someone that it was a cat that just you know what i mean a shell shot cat in which in reality it was not <laughs> um mm-hmm. and
0: and i mean like i think that what's interesting and i think you know i think part of the reason where we get we're hard on the ministry for like legit reasons and then sometimes i think we're a little too hard on them in that like yeah, they use magic, but these ma- magic have, like, it, within this world has rules. So they, like, we're like, why can't you just do this? It's like, well, because they're magic, they can't do everything. If they could, then, like, their lives would be so much easier. That is the point. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just kind of, like, seeing the parameters and the, like, limits on their magic, as, like, fantastical as it is, is just, like, really... I don't know. There's limits to it and it can be for like really ridiculous things but it is what it is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think... um, You know, there's something to having limits and it can be annoying but you do have to like remember that there has to be some things that magic can't do. Like we hear, you know, like you can't bring back the dead. You can't. There has to be some of those things because you also need challenges to overcome that you can't just wave a wand and fix um mm-hmm. i do think though that when it comes to being hard on the ministry there are some things that maybe you can't just prove with magic but just like good detective skills um they just need to be better investigators yeah, like, and like be a detective you know what i mean it's
0: like it's just like the same like and you said it earlier like it's the same with like our systems yeah. too it's just like just be better at your job, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna like find some spell that lets you know exactly where this person went at this time. Just do some like investigation. And
1: it might take longer, right? And that was the whole thing about um, Sirius. Right. It's like follow all of these, all of this proof to its logical conclusion, and none of it makes sense. Um, but you'll get to the truth as opposed to. Mm-hmm just being like oh that's it that's the proof and we're not gonna don't poke too too hard at it because it'll all crumble but like we got our man and we did it quickly he was sitting there like he was standing there laughing as they took him away like you know like they're and we hear it from fudge all the time like i gotta be seen doing something they just want to they want the appearance Mm -hmm. of greatness and not doing the
0: actual, actual work. Like, right. Right. Which is like, you know, part of politics. Right. Um and that's kind of like how it's interesting how like politics sometimes get into gets in the way of like real policy. Um oh, okay. and actually like solving something. Um
1: but let's move on. Because <laughs> our world today. This is our happy place. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Mad Eye. <laughs> okay, so this I mean this is our um, happy place, but I'm in about to get real um mental health Advocate E right now, so just be warned, guys. That's um, great. No,
0: I just don't want to talk about our particular, like, justice world. and, like, <laughs> political system. That's all. That's the only thing that's, like, low key banned. Okay. Everything else is fair game. All right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, all right, I'm offset, Mr. Weasley. He stuffed the parchment with his notes into his pocket and dashed out of the kitchen. Sorry about this, Molly. Oh, wait.
0: Sorry. Before you move on, I have yes. one
1: thing. Um, sorry. I just, rem-
0: I just forgot. Um, So just, like, really quickly, like, we just, in terms of, like, we get this introduction of Mad-Eye, and, like, for one, no one believes him on what he's doing, like, on, like, what he says happened, um, which did actually happen, um, and then there's the part, just one part that stuck, stuck out to me, that, like, if the improper use of magic got their hands on Mad-Eye, think of his record, and I'm like, how long has he been, one, my, one of my questions is, like, how long has he been, like, not, like, retired from the ministry, Mm -hmm. um, and, like, is it to the point where now he's just some, like, rogue, like, dude who they're, like, okay, you got one more time, and we're going to put him where? In Azkaban? Well,
1: so this goes into the, um, my, I'm about to get very mental health advocacy-y. Um, right. Which And is, I actually put, too, that, like, I, w- I wrote, like, they don't have mental health facilities, like... Well, we've talked about this. Indirect. Uh, you know, indirectly yeah. about, like, just child abuse, and, like, there's no, um... Or we're not privy to any instit- in not institutions, but yeah, institutions that like deal with that um, or mm-hmm. any like anything public or private that is like, okay, we need to figure out what we do about abused children because that is not only like, not only is it a moral issue, but it is a serious detriment to, like, the exposure of our world and bringing in, looping back in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and the whole, like, Obscurus, um, which we'll get into later, Mm -hmm. too, with um, Ariana Dumbledore. Like, not only do you let these children, like, sit in anguish and pain, but then you punish them for what is a logical outcome of abuse and then... Mm -hmm. and then you try to sweep it under the rug. Um, And this is kind of similar to what's happening, I think, with Mad-Eye. And we can talk about, they're going to, like, let's just, I want to just cover the Weasleys' explanation of who Mad-Eye is, Um, because that will help explain why they're trying to, why Arthur and Amos are trying to, like, get there and um, help him get off at the slap on the wrist and kind of like save him from the inner workings of the ministry. Um, so, mm-hmm. sorry about this, Molly, said um, Mr. Diggory's head more calmly, bothering you so early and all, but Arthur's the only one who can get Mad-Eye off. Mad-Eye's supposed to be starting his new job today. Aha! Uh-huh. Um, Never mind, Amos. Sure, you won't have a bit of toast. Um, Mrs. Weasley puts a bit of, piece, a piece of butter toast um, in his mouth and he leaves the fire with a finks um <clears throat> i better hurry you have a good term boy said mr weasley molly you're gonna be all right taking them to taking the kids to king's cross of course i will you just look after mad eye we'll be fine um so even like oh, really? molly is
0: quick sorry because you like kind of broke up so i missed it just like skipped oh okay no, i was sorry, just i read that i just want to acknowledge how weird it is no i heard you it's just that it kind of like did a weird thing so it skipped apart part i wanted mm-hmm. to mention. Um, cause Google Hangouts never loved this. Um, but I just want to acknowledge how strange it is that she's feeding this man toast through a fire. Yes. And like how that works and how the toast is not burnt by the time, you know, like what does that taste like
1: when he leaves?
0: Like, does it have like flu ashes on it? Is that, does that taste good?
1: Questions. Do you want to eat something with flu ashes on it? Right. Yeah. Um, questions that need answers, but we don't. Have any, um, so, um, yeah. So Arthur App says, Molly, are you going to be all right taking the kids Kings Cross? Of course I will. You just look after Mad Eye, we'll be fine. So this also shows that like Molly has some affinity towards Mad Eye and wants to make sure like it's not like she's not being like, ugh, I have to take all these kids now by myself. You know what I mean? Like you need to call someone right. else. Like. She cares enough about Mad-Eye that she's a go. Like, you know, make sure that he's taken mm-hmm. care of. Um, Did somebody say Mad-Eye? Asked Bill. What's he been up to now? He says someone tried to break into his house last night. Mad-Eye Moody, said George. Isn't he that nutter? Your father thinks very highly of Mad-Eye Moody, said Molly sternly. Yeah, well, Dad collects plugs, doesn't he? Birds of a feather, said Fred, quietly. I, just, I love the twins. Um, Moody, Moody was a great wizard in his time um he's retired used, or he's retired used to work for the ministry used to work at the ministry said charlie i met him once when dad took me to, in to work with him he was an or one of the best a dark wizard catcher half the cells in azkaban are full because of him he made himself loads of enemies though the families of people he caught mainly i and i heard he's been getting really paranoid in his old age doesn't trust anyone anymore sees dark wizards everywhere um So, what they're kind of describing is someone who's shell-shocked or has PTSD. Um, And so you can see that, like, he's having more run-ins since he's retired with the ministry, and, like, it's being seen as paranoid, and I'm sure that some of it is paranoia. Um, We get the phrase, constant diligence, um, from Mad-Eye. But... There's also this, like, thing where, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Like, if you say wolf so many times and, like, right. you know, when there's an actual wolf, people don't believe you. Um, but there is something to how he's treated and how it's just kind of shrugged off. Oh, he's paranoid now. Um, he says people broke into his house, but he sees dark weather everywhere. And there there's two things to this which is like we know at this time like he actually is not being paranoid like someone was breaking into his house Um, and then Mm -hmm. on the other side of that was when he was seeing dark wizards everywhere and there was no basis for it um, he was getting laughed away or like ignored um, and not getting any like real treatment for paranoia and we know that he went through the first wizarding War, war at least the first wizarding war and then Spent the, a lot of his time afterwards, um, going around trying to catch Death Eaters that were not caught. So, and and who knows what he went through before that. But another
0: thing is, like, we learn later on, like, when we actually meet him, like, he's lost an eye, a yeah. leg, like, all he's been in a lot of like really kind of like, like traumatizing battles. Yes. Um. So it's not just like, hey, I stupefy, I caught the dude, and cool, I took a mask of It's like not glamorous. It's like. He was really, like, in there. Yeah, and the fact that they don't really, like, give him any space to actually, like, receive any kind of, like, care or somewhere where he can, like, deal with the fact that he has his PTSD Mm -hmm. uh, other than the fact that just calling him, like,
1: crazy isn't really... And, I mean, even the term, even his, like, nickname, Mad Eye. Like, he lost an eye, and then they nickname him for the magical eye that he gets in replace of it. Um, and that's another thing, like, that makes, like, shows his paranoia, because he gets this magical eye that can see through things, and, um, it's, it's really telling, though, that because he's not, like, because there's nowhere for him to go to, like, deal with his PTSD, that there are are the small pocket of people that remember the sacrifices that he's made, um, and they look out for him, but also the way in which they look out for him is to keep him out of trouble. When at a certain Mm -hmm. point, what he actually needs is for someone to not take him to Askaban by any means, but to like give him real care. Um, And also just because you're paranoid does not mean that those things are not real. Um, If Mm -hmm. he sees dark wizards everywhere, and yeah, maybe there are not tangible, physical dark wizards everywhere, but there are dark wizards that he sees, and they're real to him. And so you need to come you need to approach him with that like knowledge and that empathy of you see dark wizards not oh you're seeing stuff you're not or you're making things up or you're you're being paranoid you need to come like when people with mental illness i think one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make is to kind of rationalize to them in a way that is like, you know that that's not real, right? <laughs> it's like, but mm-hmm. no, it's real. Cause it's real to me. It's in my head. It, it's something that I need to learn how to like deal with. And I need to learn how to cope with, but to like push it aside as like, Oh, that doesn't exist. Does no one any good because he's going to continue to see dark wizards, but he's going to be too ashamed or too bitter to ask for help. Um, and then go off on his own and like, cope and and try to fix it on his own which might be just sending jinxes out his window no matter who gets in the crosshairs right or like this there will actually be a dark wizard and no one does the follow-through to make sure that it's you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like there needs to be this there needs to be this like understanding of what these characters go through like and with and with magic it it kind of serves as a it's not it's not a fix here I think it's actually like a, a it adds to the problem which is like oh we can mm-hmm. do all these things with magic so we don't have to worry about all of these like if it can't be fixed with magic then it, it can't be fixed right and Portia well, I think that, earlier like, said you know I just want to like drop this in that like part of the issue that they scoff at the muggle way so much that, but if they combine magic and regular, she's talking about detective work here. um, Mm -hmm. But if they combine magic and like muggle detective work, life would be amazing. Like they would, if you would just do these like small things that like people without magic have learned to do, life would be amazing. Same thing. It's like, if you combine magic with mental health services, right. Or like care and treatment, like, And it kind of goes, like, it goes along with, like, our world, like, okay, you like, some people need therapy to do things, but some people also need freaking medicine, and they need that medication, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's a, it's, like, sometimes it's just a chemical imbalance, and so you have to take that, that medication to get you to a starting point to where then therapy is useful, right? And I think that that's one of the things that we hear about Mad-Eye and, like, how they talk about Mad-Eye, that it's a bigger, it, like, sheds light on a lot of other people in the wizarding world um harry voldemort like you need to deal with where they are and like kind of get them to a healthier place before you can then use magic to like explain it all away so
0: well yeah and i think that like i feel like i think the wizarding world and like that's it's kind of the one of the many reasons why these books are so great is like yeah we had like clearly they have these issues and like it's not changing um But putting magic in there in a way actually kind of like kind of magnifies the issue as a or at least is like an interesting reflection of like our own society because we don't have magic and we have these issues and they do have magic and they still have these issues. And so it's not a magic thing. It's not like, oh, if only we had magic, we could solve everything in the world. It's like, no, these are human issues and like political um, and like social issues. Um, and just having some extra ability is not going to change that. Like at the core, we're still human and we still like fuck up um, and are great in some ways and are really not in other ways, um, especially in a group. <laughs> and so kind of like while being frustrated with the ministry, I also like, you know, we all know that that's the point yes. of like their, you know, their depiction um, in these books is not accidental. So yeah, it's just really interesting to explore just kind of the ways like the ways that magic doesn't fully solve all of the issues. Um and that you would think that if you had them maybe you you know, like you would think, oh, since you have this magic it opens up more opportunity to like solve these issues, but then like people don't think of that because Yeah, and I mean and people. I think
1: that we also have within the magic part, like you said, like it you know, we're human and so people they're they're Good. There's good and bad in everyone, and regardless of your magical ability, they're good and bad, and um, and so like Charlie recognizes that he's that Mad Eye has made a lot of enemies. That doesn't mean that those enemies are all dark wizards, but like you see with Draco when Lucius later in the spoiler heavy guys, but later in the series when Lucius gets locked up, you see how that affects Draco, and so. Like, mm-hmm. these people who very well their their dad could have been a Death Eater was just their dad, you know what I mean, to them. You know, or, you know, like, to Draco, Lucius Malfoy is not a bad guy. Lucius Malfoy is the hero. Mm-hmm. So you're making enemies of people, and that, like, is turning them, like, so you don't know what these other people are capable of. And there's no, not to say it doesn't exist, it's not mentioned in any of these books, what the structures are for the people that fought in the first wizarding war against Voldemort. Some of those people probably also fought against Grindelwald because you know that they live a long time. Like, Dumbledore has been through not just his battle against Voldemort, but against Grindelwald as well, you know? And Mad-Eye is Mm -hmm. older. We don't know how old. But we also see, like, how young some of these people were when they were roped into the first wizarding war. So the fan fiction that I was reading, The Survivor, like... A lot of what Remus deals with is PTSD and there's nowhere to turn for him. And he's also, you know, he's a social prior on a lot of different levels and Mad-Eye is just a wizard. But like once Mad-Eye has lost his eye and lost his leg, he's like a visual reminder of that war. And as we can see in like this society, like once, like people know that he's, Voldemort is not dead. Like they Mm -hmm. recognize that they do not speak his name they don't they want no allusions to this time so they want to forget it so when they see mad eye matt you can't forget voldemort you can't forget like what happened because it is like his scars are etched on his body you know and so i think Mm -hmm. one of the things is that they would much rather him just kind of quietly disappear into retirement and oblivion you know and they so they don't have to reckon with the fact that like there are dark dark wizard 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 them and i think that that is a coping like a societal coping thing like you said like they're good people they're bad people and some people are good 90 percent of the time and 10 percent of the time they're bad and some people don't have the skills um and as society people in the large group very often do not have the patience or the skills to deal with nuance and to deal with like difficult thing and i think that this is kind of one of those illustrations of that so i'm gonna keep going Mm -hmm. but i think it's just you know
0: yeah so mm -hmm. so bill and charlie um decided to come and see everyone off at king's cross but percy said that he really needs to get to work i just can't justify taking more time off at the moment he said mr crouch is really starting to rely on me yeah, you know what, Percy? Said George seriously. I reckon he'll know your name That's soon. That's
1: amazing. Right. Which I pretty Pretty great shape. Way to go, Weatherby. One point for you, I George. think that it's, like, um, also really sweet. Sorry. But Bill and Charlie should also be getting back to work. The holidays are over. Um, But they're... In a way, like, because Arthur isn't able to go now, they're helping with all the kids. You know what I mean? Like, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll see you off at King's Cross. It's also like, all right, mom got to deal with a bunch of kids. (laughs) Let's let's step in a little bit. Right. You know. The Weasleys.
0: Because there's six of them. That's a lot of kids going to Hogwarts. Mrs. Weasley had braved the telephone in the village post office and ordered three ordinary muggle taxis to take them to London um, because Arthur couldn't get the ministry cars since, you know, there is mayhem. There's lots, lots of stuff going on. Uh, Mrs. Weasley says, Oh dear, they don't look happy, do they? Harry didn't like to tell Mrs. Weasley that the muggle taxi drivers rarely transported overexcited owls, and Pigwidgeon was making an ear splitting racket Nor did it help that a number of filibusters' fabulous wet start no heat fireworks went off unexpectedly when Fre- when Fred's trunk sprang open, causing the driver carrying it to yell with fright and pain as Crookshanks clawed his way up the man's leg. I wonder if that's a violation of the statute of secrecy. I'm, I'm like, but maybe not because it's just fireworks. But like, that seems hella extra.
1: But also, um, Hermione, get your cat. Why is he not in a... Well, no, Crookshanks got scared. I understand that, but why is he not in a cat carrier? Why are you not holding your cat? Like, cats are jumpy especially when traveling well, she could have been holding the cat we don't know where crookshanks was so she definitely could have been holding him and he still jumped up the man's leg why wouldn't she crookshanks got scared but why know? wouldn't he claw crookshanks up crookshanks is not a regular cat but why wouldn't he claw up Hermione mind if hermione's holding or better yet have, why he isn't he in a carrier her arms that's a good question i don't know that answer anymore. hermione get your cat is all i'm saying i'm not blaming crookshanks for this i'm blaming hermione <laughs> cats Usually you give them uh, cat catnip okay. and you make them high before they travel because that's like, they are notorious for this shit. Okay. I mean, honestly, this is Fred's yes. fault, but okay. Um, <laughs> the journey was uncomfortable
0: owing to the fact that they were jammed in the back of the taxis with their trunks. Um, Crookshanks took quite a while to recover from the fireworks. By the time they entered London, Harry, Ron, and Hermione were all severely scratched. Um, they got to platform nine and three quarters um and they went through the barrier in groups harry ron and hermione the most conspicuous since they were accompanied by pig and crookshanks went first um and then hogwarts express shows up they put their stuff on the train and then come back to say goodbye to mrs weasley bill and charlie i might be seeing you all sooner than you think said charlie why said fred you'll see just don't tell percy i mentioned it it's classified information until such a time as ministry sees to fit to release it after all so adorable um, I love that they just be, like, making fun of him even when he's not there. That's such a classic. Yeah, but also, Um,
1: Charlie hugging Ginny, and they're just, like, I just love this family. It reminds me of our family. The Weasleys are pretty amazing. Yeah, I sort of wish I were back at Hogwarts this year, said Bill.
0: Why, said George impatiently. You're gonna have an interesting year. I might have to, I might even get time off to come and watch a bit of it. A bit of what, said Ron? Um, But at that moment, the whistle blew, and Mrs. Weasley shivvied them toward the train doors, um that's so rude like if you just if you don't not tell, gonna tell don't, them yeah. don't talk about it say that's it or don't shady. say it like just be quiet just be like oh yeah. I'll see you soon bye
1: thanks Love for having us to say mrs weasley but they're yeah. enjoying it. i mean that's again another sibling thing to do right just like drive everyone uh-huh. crazy with like i know something you don't know thanks for having us to stay mrs weasley said hermione yeah thanks for everything mrs weasley said harry oh it was my pleasure dears i'd invite you for christmas but well i expect you're all going to want to stay at hogwarts what with one thing and another "'Mom!' said Ron irritably, "'Why do you three know... "'What do you three know that we don't?' "'You'll find out this evening, I expect,' "'said Mrs. Weasley Smiling. "'It's going to be very exciting, mind you. "'I'm very glad that they've changed the rules.' "'What rules?' Mm -hmm. (laughs) said Ron, Harry, Ron, Fred, and George together. "'I'm sure Professor Dumbledore will tell you. "'Now, behave, won't you? "'Won't you, Fred? "'And you, George? "'Tell us what's happening at Hogwarts,' "'Fred bellowed out of the window "'as Mr. Weasley, Bill, and Charlie sped away from them. "'What rules are they changing?' But Mrs. Weasley only smiled and waved before the train rounded the corner. She, Bill, and Charlie had the sound. Yeah. This is rude, but hilarious. Yeah.
0: It's pretty great, but it's definitely rude. So yeah, so Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to their compartment. Ronan does his trunk, pulls out his maroon dress robes, and flung them over Pig's cage to muffle his hooting. Bagman wanted to tell us. Bagman wanted to tell us what was happening at Hogwarts, he said. At the World Cup, remember? But my own mother won't even say. Wonder what? Shh. Hermione whispered suddenly, pressing her fingers to her lips and pointing toward the compartment next to theirs. Harry and Ron listened and heard a familiar drawling voice drifting in through the front door. Father actually considered sending me to Durmstrang rather than Hogwarts, you know. He knows the headmaster, you see. Well, you know his opinion of Dumbledore. The man's such a mudblood lover. And Durmstrang doesn't admit that sort of riffraff. But Mother didn't like the idea of me going to school so far away. Father says Durmstrang takes a far more sensible line in Hogwarts about the dark arts. Durmstrang students actually learn them, not just the defense rubbish we do.
1: Uh, um, and I don't hearts. have
0: the Pottermore like thing on Durmstrang pulled up, which I meant to and I forgot, and that's fine because they'll come up again. But it's interesting that like in our first kind of introductions to Durmstrang, it's like very much aligned with like Slytherin and his kind of like ideology. Mm-hmm. From what I I've only read the Durmstrang thing on Pottermore once, but from what I remember like that reputation that they get is because of maybe like one or two headmasters really early on in their like founding or in its founding and it's not like that anymore you know what I mean like you know obviously some people still you know Grindelwald went there which doesn't help um and then there's like people who probably still like harbor those kind of ideologies the same whether there are at Hogwarts but because I don't know it just somehow like uh Durmstrang was able to like got that like has all that bad reputation despite like Hogwarts also having a similar background, and then like being the place, place, at Voldemort place that Voldemort was birth like the greatest, <laughs> yeah. exactly like the greatest Dark Wizard of all time. But somehow, Durmstrang is more, like, is bad, is worse than Hogwarts for some reason. Yeah, but, I um, think. Yeah, so that's I think it's interesting. also interesting.
1: There is something. um, that at Emily's and Elf on Twitter had, like, uncovered. Like, Dermstring isn't even where you think it's supposed to be. Like, you think of, I always thought of it as, like, Belgium or Germany or something like that. But it's in, like, Northern Europe, so it's, like, in the Scandinavias. Oh, and it's, I like, mean, kind yeah. of weird. Or Southern Europe. I don't It's somewhere like where you wouldn't think of it. But it, it reminds me, too, of, like, you know, how Harvard gets a reputation or, you know, Germany. They had Hitler and they have this reputation that they're still fighting against when in the reality, like they are probably the strictest people, like strictest anti-fascist country because they had Hitler and they're like, oh, let's not do that again. You know, um, so it's right. interesting sometimes how and we'll see this with Victor Crumb, like how places that have this, how the actuality like that's not the right word, how <laughs> how the 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 actual like life, daily life of these places are as opposed to their reputation um because they usually are trying to so hard to like change that look or change how they're seen in the wider world that it's very different you know especially if they're like aware Mm -hmm. and ashamed of the reputation of being like a place for dark I also think it's funny that we start to hear about Durmstrang through the eyes of Draco um and Draco being much more like i Almost went here, and Hogwarts is so terrible. I'm like, what do you get from that, Draco? Like, you but you're not there, you didn't go to Pig Farts, right? And, and you're still, you're still there. at Hogwarts. And
0: I mean, um, and the other thing that I missed, and it also it goes into the Dernstring reputation as well, is that the headmaster, um, is a former Death Eater, right? Which
1: doesn't help, right? As well, but um, so is the head of Slytherin House, so. Right. Portia said that the, gonna do? the other is always far more dangerous than the white imperialist. Um, and that is very true in this case of the way that Dermstrang is thought. And it's also interesting that Bobatons or Bobatons, however, how are we going to say it? I don't know how we're going to say it, but like they have, because of who their champion is and stuff, they have this like kind of angelic and, you know, overly like Mm -hmm. even more you're like they're in france like they're more european and so they're even more like um desirable than durmstrang you know it's really weird how it's like laid out Mm -hmm. um so bagman wanted to tell us what was happening at hogwarts at the world cup remember
0: hermione closes the door and says so he thinks durmstrang would have suited him does he i wish he had gone then we wouldn't have to put up with him durmstrang's another wizarding school asked harry yes and it's got a horrible reputation according to the appraise an appraisal of magical education in europe it puts a lot of emphasis on the dark arts i think i've heard of it said ron vaguely where is it what country well nobody knows do they said hermione uh why not said harry there's traditionally been a lot of rivalry between all the magic schools durmstrang and Bobatons like to conceal where their conceal their whereabouts so nobody can steal their secrets Come off it, said Ron. Durmstrang's got to be the same size as Hogwarts. How are you going to hide a great big castle? But Hogwarts is hidden, said Hermione in surprise. Everyone knows that. Well, everyone who's read Hogwarts of history anyway. Just you then, said Ron. So go on. How do you hide a place like Hogwarts? It's bewitched. If a muggle looks at it, all they see is a moldering old ruin with a sign over the entrance saying, danger, do not enter, unsafe. So Durmstrang will just look like a ruin to an outsider too? "'Maybe,' said Hermione, shrugging. Or, "'Or it might have muggle-repelling charms on it "'like the World Cup Stadium, "'and to keep for, um, foreign wizards, wizards from finding it they'll have made it unplottable. "'Come again?' "'Well, you can enchant a building "'so that it's impossible to plot on a map, can't you?' "'If you say so,' said Harry. "'But I think Durmstrang must be somewhere in the far north, "'somewhere very cold because they've got fur capes "'as a part of their uniform.' "'Ah, uh, think of the possibility,' said Ron. "'It would have been so easy to push Malfoy off the glacier "'and make it look like an accident.' Shame his mother likes him. I, like, in addition to the info dump, I also just like this passage for, like, the characterizations and, like, like mm-hmm. the way that Harry, Ron, and Hermione kind of play off of each other and, like, ha- the way they, like, have conversations, I guess. Um, where, like, Hermione's like, how everyone knows this, and Harry's like, um, sure,
1: great. And Ron is like, just quips. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool, though, that, too, that yeah. Harry is, like, interested, but not interested enough to read it in a book. I've always loved that about Harry because yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'm like, oh, we're talking about something new I can learn. And then they're like, why didn't you read this in a book? And I'm like, because you could tell me. <laughs> like, not that I don't love to read, but, you know, if I could get the information from someone else, why not? It's, it's, it's very interesting that with, with these schools that we, we hear, and I, I you know what it was? I always thought the Dermstring was Russian, like in Siberia. Also because of just the way that they kind of look in the movie. But it's like in Northern Europe or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that this is really interesting too because it goes to show like the differences in the wizarding world that it's even like these schools are even like unplottable for foreign witches and wizards. So like they don't even want uh, outside magical people to really know... what where their schools are, what they're really doing in those schools. Whereas, like, we hear about the fact that, like, Bill was gonna go to, like, a, to study abroad, but couldn't afford it and like, in Brazil. But what does that look like then? Because it seems like, okay, when I wanted to go to, like, a, when I wanted to look into doing study abroad, I went to the study abroad office at Indiana University and there was a whole list of things that I could do with my major and where I could go and, like, what it would take and also, like, where the schools were located what the populations were like like what the ethnic breakdown and like all of these things were and like the main like would i be having classes in english or would i be having classes in a different language and like you could find out everything what the middle plans were like all the information that you needed and it seems like and and it was a lot of you know cooperation between the schools and it seems weird to me that there is like not that much cooperation you also see this in just how they talk about like getting the triwizard tournament back together like all of the stuff that it took to make that happen it's just like funny to me how that works how do you how are you how are you so isolated among magical non-magical kind and then amongst like nations (laughs) and like why do you even have the same like why do we have the same nation or national borders and things if we're so separate from magical people kind um or from muggle kind and that kind of goes also into the whole all wizards knew about each other but treated each other with like mutual respect and appreciation it's like no you didn't like if you did you would know where their schools were like, at the very least right. you know interesting the rain became heavier and heavier um, as their train trainwired... ride oh go oh, ahead okay sorry the rain became heavier and heavier and the lunch trolley came rattling along the corridor her bought a large st- stack of cauldron cakes for them to share um several of their friends looked in on them as the afternoon progressed seamus finnegan dean thomas and neville longbottom a round face extremely forgetful boy who had been brought up by his formidable witch of a grandmother um seamus was still wearing his ireland rosette um some of its magic seemed to be wearing off. It was still speaking Troy Mullet Moran. After a half an hour or so, Hermione, growing tired of the English Quidditch talk, hurled herself once more into the standard book of spells, grade four, and started to learn, and started trying to learn a summoning charm. Neville listened jealously of the others conversation to the other's conversation as they relived through a cup match. Gran didn't want to go, wouldn't buy tickets. It sounded amazing, though, said Neville. It was. Look at this, Neville. And he pulled out a miniature figure, his miniature figure, Victor Crumb we saw him right up close as well we were in the top box for the first and last time in your life weasley draco had appeared um and behind him stood crab and goyle his enormous his enormous thuggish cronies both of whom appeared to have grown at least a foot during the summer um don't remember asking you to join us malfoy said harry coolly weasley what is that he said pointing to pig's cage a sleeve of Ron's dress robe was dangling from it, swaying with the motion of the wind. Look at this. Weasley, you weren't thinking of wearing these, were you? I mean, they were very fashionable in about 1890. Eat dung, Malfoy. So, going to enter Weasley? Going to try and bring a bit of glory to the family name? There's money involved as well, you know. You, you'd be able to afford some decent robes. What are you talking about, snapped Ron? Are you going to Enter. I suppose you will Potter you never miss a chance to show off do you either explain what you're going on about or go away Malfoy said Hermione testily over her book don't tell me you don't know he said delightedly you've got a father and brother at the ministry and you don't even know my God my father told me about it ages ago heard it from Cornelius Fudge but then father's always associated with the top people at the ministry maybe your father's too junior to know about it Weasley yes they probably don't talk about the important stuff in front of him. Laughing once more, um, Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle disappeared. I don't know how I feel about that. What do you mean? I feel like, on the one hand, like, the Weasleys follow the rule, you know, and so... Right. It makes sense that he doesn't know, and it also makes sense that Draco would use him not knowing as a way to bully him. But it also mm-hmm. kind of comes across as, like, I don't know, I just, I feel like with with Draco, there is this characterization of him that is just it's a little off sometimes like yes you're the bully and you're and you're like you live to like be their antagonist or whatever but you also are this like very privileged child and it's so in certain ways like i think of like blaze Zabini, who just like doesn't associate like he just like he can't deign to like spend the energy to make fun of harry and them you know what i mean and it feels like Mm -hmm. it's sad because I always felt like Draco and Blaze like should have been better friends and like it feels like Jacob doesn't have any friends and he's so insecure um that he's out these confrontations with Harry and Ron to like reinforce that he's better than them but Harry, Ron, and Hermione also have this high emotional EQ that doesn't seem like they should allow him to get to them like I feel like they should be like oh he's just sad. Oh, he just needs that. Well, hug. no.
0: See, I think I think that that I don't I don't think I wouldn't I don't think so because at this point, like I'm sure, and I, and I also also you said Ron Ron does not have an
1: no Ron a does not, not sorry at
0: all Harry period. and Hermione um, Hermione <laughs> maybe but I all and with Harry like sure he might know that in his heart or whatever like he might know like yeah Draco really just wants attention but if he's but Harry has a temper. And so that's not really like if you don't if he doesn't like him he doesn't like mm-hmm. like he already knows what Draco's about and the fact that like but be- like besides him being insecure he's also like he's all about blood purity he's called his best Harry's best friend a racial slur like countless times he's he's super classist so just even just because he's sad or like doesn't have friends or is insecure doesn't negate those yeah. things and I don't think that and then also just factoring in Harry's own characterization and he really while he might have a, a like high emotional like like high, a high EQ or whatever as you're calling it like he only really cares if they're if about that if the people are his friends like even if he notices it He's not gonna say anything if like he doesn't like the person or if that's not well. I mean, movie, well you know he what does. I mean? He doesn't do you, care. I
1: guess, and I, I guess don't I...
0: think that that makes Draco's characterization weird. I think that Draco's character- characterization is pretty like consistent and makes a lot of sense. Like for the way that he was raised, and like you know he's an only yeah. child. He's both like hero worshipping his father, but then also like his father treats him almost as if he's not good enough in a lot of ways. Then he gets doted on by his mother, so he just has this weird kind of like psyche. And so it manifests in this way where he's, like, bullying and, like, trying to live up to his father's kind of, like, idea of what he should be, um, but also not knowing how to do that without just, like, having real friends, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't people, want to seem He like, actually has, like, things in common with... Yeah,
1: I don't want it to seem like I'm saying that his characterization doesn't make sense, uh, or isn't consistent, because I think it is, but I also think that there's just, like, this missing piece of him in, in... Especially in this book and then the next book, where he's getting older and he and so those those things that he's up against that you just talked about, like not feeling like really living up to his father's expectations or meeting those, they they he still acts them out in the same way that he was doing in the first and so it's And, and see it, I don't and the
0: and the thing is, I don't think that that's weird. I think that's because nothing has ever shaken up his world. You know what I mean? It takes his father getting arrested for something to actually, like, be real to him and have him actually have to grow up in a way. And it may, you know, not in the best way, obviously, he becomes a deaf ear, but, like, he there's never been anything to really challenge him mm-hmm. until the end of his fifth year. And so, he yeah, of course he doesn't grow or develop in any way because he hasn't had to. There's no one making him, he can just be the same person he is without really being challenged, and no one really challenges him to grow until his dad gets arrested and then voldemort's like hey you're gonna do this thing for me or
1: you're gonna die and so then he's like shit now i actually have to do something about like my life yeah so portia says that she always thought Draco would benefit from a sibling it seemed that he was always following his father's footsteps being attracted to power and influence which is why he goes so hard after harry because he can't believe harry would pick a loser like ron rather than him as a friend um and if he had an uh, older sibling, he would have someone else to look up to beyond his father. And if he had a younger sibling, his parents would have had to divide their attention. So he'd either be, try to be a good brother or self-reflect if his sibling was praised more. So I think that there, there are some of those things, but also they're in a boarding school. So I'm thinking that the Slytherins, the other Slytherins besides Crabbe and Goyle, who are obviously like, I mean, I'm amazed they're even in fourth year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not even sure if they can. But yeah, that some of those other people are not challenging him. And that he's mm-hmm. not getting negative percussion from the other people in his school. Like, it's one thing to, like, set him and Harry as opposites. And so if Harry says something, like, even if it's true about Draco, Draco isn't going to, like, receive that the same way because it's said through Harry the same thing as, like, if Draco pinpoint something in Harry, that's true. Harry's not going to really receive it. Similar to Snape. Mm. And it goes, also goes into the whole, like, this is a school and these teachers, man, because none of the teachers are kind of correcting this behavior. And I just, it, to me, it's just, it's always struck me that Draco in Goblet of Fire seems stuck. And I wish that there was just a little bit of like, I wish that he would just, not that he wouldn't be a bully, not that he wouldn't come after Ron the way that he like does, but that he would do it in a, of a little bit a slightly more mature way, which might even sound more, mm-hmm. might even end up being more evil. I, but, um, I think we're seeing a lot of growth between the trio, and so it stands to reason that you would see some growth between their main antagonists as well. But I understand what you're saying, right?
0: And I think, and I think that like in a lot of like, I you know I mean I agree with you. I think that like. In some ways, I feel like his, like, I think in this book we see, like, a little bit more, like, like the way that he interacts with the trio does not change, yeah. and it's pretty much the same, but we do get to see, like, little things, like, for example, when he gets turned into a ferret, and, like, how he deals with humiliation, and, like, how he deals with feeling, like, even with, like, the whole thing, the thing that he does when Harry becomes, spoiler, um, <laughs> uh, becomes, a like, the one of the Wizard champions or whatever, or, like, is it even the Wizard tournament? We can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, is it even the Tri-Wizard Tournament? There's four people in it. But the things that he does is like one to get attention. It's not just because of Harry and like mm-hmm. he's jealous, but it's also to get attention. So we get like, I get what you're saying in that we don't get any like, it's not really evolving. We just get like more of the same. Yeah. And it kind of like, it does show us who he is as a character and it does become a little bit more three-dimensional, but it's not like he's moving forward.
1: Yeah. That's, that's my, and that's, that's, that's kind of yeah. just like, that is the thing about this scene that squicks me the wrong way because like okay so let's finish up this chapter but ron's reaction and here and hermione's reaction to what draco says like i think shows their growth um so well making it look like all right wait ron got to his feet and slammed the com- sliding compartment door so hard that the glass shattered ron said hermione reproachfully and she flew up she pulled out her wand and muttered reparo. the glass shards flew back into a single pane well making it look like he's he knows everything and we don't father always associated with the top people at the ministry dad could have gotten a promotion at any time he just likes where he is of course he does ron or, of course he does said hermione quietly don't let malfoy get to you ron him get to me as if said ron picking up one of the remaining collagen cakes and squashing it into a pulp his bad mood continued for the rest of the journey he didn't talk much as they changed into the school robes and was still glowering at when the Hogwarts Express slowed down, at last and finally stopped in the pitch darkness of Hogsmead Me- Hogs Station, um, so I think one of the, like Hermione's reaction or like Ron's reaction of like anger is similar to Ron's old reaction, but he know- like Draco picks at something that he's already feeling away about. And he knows enough to kind of be ashamed that he feels that way, right? So he's, like, the way he's sticking up for Arthur. Mm -hmm. Like, he could have got a promotion at any time, but he likes what he's doing. And, like, you know, he makes it seem like he's so much, like, he knows so much better, so much more or whatever. And Hermione also knows, like, oh, that that stung. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we've already heard, like, Ron, like, why is everything I own rubbish? Why, like. You know, mm-hmm. here's your money back, you know. And so I think it just kind of shows like their understanding of the issue that they're facing is changing. And also, not, I mean, they're still 14. And so Ron is not mature enough to get over the fact that he doesn't have any money, but he's mature enough to know that like my friends don't care and aren't treating me differently. And so this is like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be ashamed for this, but I am. Like, you know what I mean? He feels some. He feels, mm-hmm. to me, I always thought this is like, he knows better than to let this get to him, but he can't help it getting to him. Right. Whereas I think first year Ron would have just been like, let's, he, let's fight Yeah, him. he
0: just doesn't. <laughs> he'd be like, We're, we got a yeah, duel?
1: Let's duel. Let's um, duel. <laughs> but fourth year Ron so knows. So they
0: um, get off of the, I so was like But
1: fourth year Ron knows that he should be above Draco's petty yeah, shit. Dually. Yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they get off of the train and it's still raining, pouring rain. Hi Hagrid! Harry yelled, seeing a gigantic silhouette at the far end of the platform. Alright Harry, Hagrid bellowed back, see you at the feast if we don't drown. First years traditionally reached Hogwarts Castle by sailing across the lake with Hagrid. I feel like they could also not do that this year. Right? It's hazing. If drowning is a possibility, like more of a possibility than like usual, I
1: feel like you could also just it's not also do that. Just, They
0: can see the castle fine going on the other way. It's also just
1: miserable miserable to be in rowboats exposed to heavy rain when you don't have to be. In
0: right, and you can't see anything if you're like being drenched. Yeah, but like, it just doesn't seem as enjoyable. But if they
1: didn't take the rowboats, how would they be so, you know, in like immersed in the glamour that is boarding school it's not
0: glamorous if it's pouring right Hey, tilda Tilda
1: that this romantic view okay i'm gonna just stop you right there and we can just continue finish the last little chapter Um,
0: i wouldn't fancy crossing the lake in this weather said hermione um shivering as they inch slowly toward the dark platform with the rest of the crowd a hundred horseless carriages stood waiting for them outside the station p.s they're not really horseless um, Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville climbed...
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say, you did You did air quotes like like this isn't a podcast. The only one that could see your air quotes I know. is Portia. <laughs>
0: Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville climbed gratefully into one of them, and sh- the door shut with a snap. And a few moments later, with a great lurch, the long procession of carriages was rumbling and splashing its way up track... Oh, sorry, up the track toward Hogwarts Castle. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah,
1: so... Who
0: is your MVP? Hermione motherfucking Granger. Why? Because I think really specifically it's because of the like little spiel that we get about the wizarding schools. I just like when Hermione has I mean and then also there's another part where she's like teaching herself the summoning charm. That's like not a thing that they, you yeah. know what I mean? She's just in the in the on the train teaching herself spells and shit. Like I just it's a kind of a peak Hermione chapter and because like you were saying, like, the dynamics in this chapter is very much similar to the other, like, Hogwarts Express chapters that we get. It's just, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hermione. Um, I love, and I'm gonna just, like, point, I love, the, 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 the thing about Hermione in this chapter that is the most, like, me, is that whole, like, oh, y'all are talking about something I no longer care about, let me pull out a book. And keep myself ready. Right. I love that. I and this is not Hermione's fault, this is JK's fault, I have a thing about expository dialogue. It bothers me. Like it just like no one talks like that. Even though Hermione does talk like that and she does a good job of like making it natural for Hermione, it just like it bothers me. Like I know what you're doing. (laughs) Like why can't you just tell us about Dermstrang and all of that stuff when they announce the Tri tournament? yeah i hate that and that's like the biggest part of her This <laughs> chapter so
0: but i think that part of the reason is so that they don't have to do all of that when you know oh. what i mean so that we already know who these people are before we i am not i like, am even just more, i right? am
1: literally i'm just saying Robin and pet peeve i'm not i am like it it could be no
0: and i get it <laughs> and i think that like in some instances it does it gets on my nerves too i just think it works in this particular one yeah but then also like I feel like if she hadn't done it then, like yeah. you know what I mean, like they mentioned Bo Batten's earlier too. It's like it kind of just seeding it, so you don't have to do, okay. have a like ridic- a ridiculous, st- you know, she can do an info yeah. dump. We, <laughs> we know, <laughs> but it's like a situation where she doesn't have to. Yeah.
1: So I I was waffling the whole time because I you know well one I have two MVPs Charlie is an MVP he's in the chapter of course um, always. But then I was just waffling again, like around MVP. I didn't really know. And I decided on Arthur because I think even though he doesn't say much in this chapter, he kind of sets the tone. It was like Arthur or Molly, and I wasn't really sure. And I changed, I reserved the right to like go back and change my vote later if <laughs> I feel some type of way. But setting that tone for looking out for people and it also like... When I was rereading this chapter this time, it reminded me a lot of the fact that, like, Molly and Amos Diggory and Arthur and Mad-Eye, they are in the original order together. And so they have this, like, affinity... Molly well, wasn't. Oh, it? no, but her brothers weren't. Yeah. But they have this affinity for him, and they have this, like, solidarity with Mad-Eye. And I think that has... Whether or not he has been explicit in passing that down to his sons and to his family it has passed down to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Fred says, like, oh, what's that old nutter, or Fred or George, one of the twins says, calls him a nutter, and, like, Molly, like, snaps back, like, your father thinks very highly of him, which means that you should think very highly of him. Like, you know, we don't give our mm-hmm. approval willy-nilly. <laughs> if, if we did, you would be hanging out with Luna Lovegood, and Xena Phyllis would be over here all the time because they're neighbors and... Amos would be over here getting tea all the time, but I gave him some toast. Told the Vass and keep going. You know, but yeah. I think that as we are getting to, we're, we're we're really starting to, we're getting really close to like Ron at his biggest problematic self. I mean, I
0: don't know, man. Prisoner or, or yeah, Prisoner Vassman was pretty rough for him. I know he has a, he does have a stretch in this one though.
1: I don't know. I think. His teenagers, I mean, he his teenage years, he's tripping. 13-14? I feel like. I feel like, though. I still. I don't know why, but I still am just like he was tripping in Prisoner of Azkaban. But Hermione's cat was doing too much, and she was not like adequately taking responsibility for that. I'm not like bad okay, behavior but, on both sides,
0: but. Ron, but but Ron's situation was not fully that no.
1: though. He was he was doing he was a doing a lot. He was. I'm. I, he's, yeah. I'm not excusing it but I think that in this situation and he was he was okay no you know what as I'm about to say this you're right he was like you're right you're right and I'm taking it back but with the with President of Azkaban and with Goblet of Fire like he is taking his emotional frustrations out on people on his friends who were telling him like this is not true like I did not mm-hmm. do this like and he won't because he's so frustrated with his lot in life and because he's so worried about feeling bad for himself, he'd stop listening to that. And, and like that's
0: the thing, like even when Hermione was tripping and like even in this situation when he when like spoiler or whatever, when Ron and Harry get into their argument, like Harry's also tripping. Yeah. But Ron is just like so deep in his feelings that it just—he's just like, really
1: channeling gets his inner trait. even more than it needs to be. <laughs> just all up in yeah, that, all basically. up in that hot cocoa feelings. <laughs> um, I, mm-hmm. I think that the reason, and so all of this to say, the reason why I ended with Arthur, but maybe it should be Arthur, Molly, and Charlie, is that even with all of that, there's something innately in Ron that Harry and Hermione know is worthwhile. And know that once he gets, he comes back to himself, is go- like he is a friend to have. Like it's not, he's not someone that you just cast aside. And when you're 13 and 14 mm-hmm. and your friends start tripping, like it is so easy to cast them aside. And like, I am mm-hmm. never talking to them. And Ron, also, when he comes back into himself and is like, oh, I was tripping, like he, you know, like he shows his loyalty and he shows. And it's just a very Weasley thing. We can go at it. We can not like each other. You can be super annoying, Amos. But when you come in my fire at whatever o'clock in the morning, I'm going to hear you, and I'm going to like be there. And I and that little theme to me is just like a very great encapsulation of that those Weasley traits, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Portia it made Bill and Charlie the MVP for being charming older brothers and escorts. Points to older siblings. I don't really love all the Whoop, older sibling love slash Charlie love. I need you to back up off. She can't, nobody can make him MVP just for being, she didn't even say he was. She called him like charming. None of that was
0: a sexual she, reason. Like none of it was attractive. She called him charming. It was all just like, shout out to him for being a good older she sibling. She called him charming. I'm gonna need you to back up off my boot. Nobody cares
1: about Charlie Robin. She called him charming. Like no one. And I'm just gonna, I just wanted to let her know. Like, we fam. Even if she... Even, I love Portia. Somebody
0: can be charming and still not... Nobody cares about... Nobody cares about Charlie, Rollin. I care You don't need you, Charlie. Me.
1: Who did you bench? So, I benched Draco for being Draco. I also think... Like, same. And I... And call me weird. I just, like... I'm like, you can still be a bully, but just be a bully with some gross. <laughs> like, I don't... I just need you to not come with the same old, like, insult. I need you to step your insult game up some, son. Like, we're doing He's this again? not creative.
0: That's why it takes him so long to get uh, Dumbledore in that spot that he got him. Right.
1: So Portia also benched Draco for being a spoiled brat, and she benched the Ministry for being for enabling the anti-mental health mindset and constantly bumbling wizard justice system. Maybe wizarding society itself for not holding the Ministry accountable for these and other major issues. Yeah, I, I have issues with. I really want. Okay, I know that she's listening. Or she may or may not be listed, but Maggie Brevig at Muggle Brevig. I really want talked about public and private sector in the Wizarding world and like where and how we can do better. With I want that conversation because I just it, it. I will always bring it up as someone who suffers from mental health issues, and so it speaks strongly to me. But I also think everything about the ministry, like we've talked about, is all about upholding the statute of secrecy. So in these in these ways in which they're obviously messing up like the outcome always is like a huge violation of the statute of secrecy mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the obscure like just terrorizing New York City terroring. um yeah. the you know blowing your aunt up and having her like un, you know mm-hmm. and then with Having Death Eaters leave, just walk out of Azkaban and take over someone else because you aren't, you're, I, it like, it's just getting, like, not taking care of mental health is the reason why Voldemort comes back. But also, not taking care of mental health is the reason why Voldemort is Voldemort in the first place. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and like, we can go on... Um- forever about this and so we should probably wrap up but I will say that like it's always interesting and again like it's a happy place or whatever but it's just a similar thing with like politics in our time like in the muggle world where what people say they want to prevent and what they actually end up doing is like two different things you know what I mean and like oh if we like take away this and it'll make people work harder and then they won't like whatever or like that it just Sorry, that like was really vague or whatever, but for example, like not increasing minimum wage. Right. And saying like, oh, that's supposed to be like a temporary job and you're supposed to move up into another job. But if that's not happening, then you're just increasing poverty and you're not actually solving the issue that you say you're trying to solve. solve. Where like in the same with this situation where like they're going to criminalize mad for violating slightly the statute of secrecy because he supposedly like, you know, exploded some dustbins or whatever. Versus actually looking at his real, like, issue of PTSD and being like, oh, maybe if we, like, help him out with that, then we don't have to worry about violations of the statute of secrecy where he's involved. Like, it's just, like, the I, it's super reactionary and, like, because there are no policies in place to actually, like, prevent it. So nothing is preventative. It's all like, oh, shit, we fucked up. Let's do this. Who do we punish? Yeah. How do we fix it? And, and that- like, all of those freaking, all of those memory charms mm-hmm. that they used. Were, would have been like prevented. Yeah. you know what I mean. If they had had other things in place before, and all and of like,
1: the and all of that punitive work, like you can't as much as you want mm-hmm. to, you can't put him in Azkaban forever for blowing up some dustbins, right? So then he gets out of Azkaban, and what happens? Oh, he does it again. As opposed to right working on, like you said, like fixing that actual. The root cause of the problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. so thank you for listening to Wizard Team and the mental health advocacy of Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> next week, we'll be discussing Chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the Tri Wizard Tournament. Also, I think it's still the Tri Wizard Tournament with four champions because it's still three schools. But it doesn't say Tri School or Tri Scholar
0: Tournament, it says Tri Wizard. That is a person and not an institution. It's really But also, matter. why doesn't it say Tri, <laughs>
1: the tri- Witch? You said what? Tri Witch.
0: You're right, same gender. I think try. I think wizard is supposed to be the gender neutral term, but that's just like yeah. in like Spanish and stuff where <laughs> it's gendered and then yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so make sure to read and
1: follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who is benched for the chapter. And if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, you can at We Black and Nerds and hashtag Wizard Team. And keep a look out for Portia, whose handle um is. I don't know what right now. I think it's at Portia underscore Obvi still, O-B-V-I. But she'll hashtag with her team anyway. And she will say some of the most insightful things. And then when you're least expecting it and you're all like, oh yeah, Portia's got some good stuff going on here. She will say something so out of pocket that you will be picking your job off the floor for the next five minutes. But we love her. She's a gem. She also wants to make Mad-Eye her envy. So we're going to add that in there post haste. All right.
0: Thanks everyone for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.